It's the next level. Warning. The following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. To what do I owe the pleasure, Mr. Cream? After speaking with my family, I'm here to turn myself in. If you're going to send my friends to prison, you're going to have to send me too. That's funny because Captain Drake just stopped by to offer her resignation. Your team really sticks together, huh? Yes, we do. I had no idea you were one of them. The Black Canary, huh? That's right. And I suppose because you saved my life, it's supposed to melt my cold heart. But I wouldn't go that far, exactly. Well, how far would you go? The anti-vigilante law is still in effect. But the district attorney's office will not be pressing charges on your friends. And tomorrow, you will issue one of these to each of them. They'll each be deputized like Mr. Green. So you're changing your mind? I am absolutely not. Like I said, I believe in you. I respect results. And as much as it pains me to admit it, I couldn't have made it through yesterday without the help of vigilantes. Consider this your chance to prove me right. Welcome, Primers, into this issue 134 of the DC Primetime Podcast from the Spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck. And from the Caffeine Crew cast of Pods, I am Rob Martin. We are two episodes this week to talk about as Supergirl is on break and I believe is on break again this week. I believe so, if memory serves correctly. I have not seen anything about tonight's episode, so... Uh, you are probably correct in that one. Yeah, I think uh, Supergirl is going to return next week, and then it's only going to be back for, I think, a week or two before uh, everything is on break. We're going to have a week where we're going to have to figure out what we're doing. Either uh, that or taking a break. I don't know. <laughs> ooh, taking a break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what we're going to be doing that week, but we'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> we got a little time before that happens up uh, before that comes up because yeah, it's it just uh just came out not too long ago that all of the shows will be on break. Not just the the Arrowverse shows, but CW, with the exception of three or four shows, is is taking a hiatus for the week. So everybody deserves a break, and I guess CW is taking theirs. Indeed. Um, trying to think if there's really anything else to talk about this week other than the episodes or if we should just jump right into it this week well let's just dive into it this week I, I I think we're we're just gonna stay on stay on task here 
Okay, works for me. Uh, so two episodes to talk about this week, as we mentioned at the top of the podcast, this week's episode of Arrow, which indeed was the 150th episode of the series, uh, and The Flash also as well. So we'll go through, we'll give them our one of three-point ranking, that being sidekick, hero, or legend, and then we'll go back and we'll break down the episodes a little bit. I think you and I are probably... No, we are. Yeah. We are we are across the board this week. Across the board this week, same rating from both of us for both shows. Uh so let's just get it out there. We had obviously season seven season seven, episode twelve of Arrow, and of The Flash we had season five, episode thirteen. And yeah, both legends this week. Both fantastic episodes. Yeah, I was really pleasantly surprised, uh, especially in Flash. I was, I was, I had my inkling already going into the week that I was going to end up giving Arrow a legend, and man, oh man, was I right. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, yeah, and you've mentioned it before, too, especially with, like, when Arrow did their 100th during uh, the, um, uh, the, oh god, what? It was in, uh, the Invasion crossover. Invasion yeah. crossover, that's right. I couldn't right. think of the name of the crossover. Uh, my mind has been blanking on a lot of stuff this week. Uh, yeah, I mean, when they handled their 100th beautifully, this one being the, fi- the 150th, uh, just as beautifully. It was so well done. Milestones matter I, to, I think, these shows in a big, big way. And, uh, I, you know, what? I think that's great to see that. Uh, what's exciting mentally for me is we get to see that from both Supergirl and Legends next year of what their 100th episodes are going to be like. And I, I, it makes me more excited because they did a great job on Flash this year. Well, is, and I, is, you know what? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go. No, no, you're fine. You're I fine. was just going to ask, is Legends going to hit their 100th next season? Because they have shorter seasons. Oh, that's right. Well, I, they might. They, they actually may, but it might be near like their finale. Yeah, that that's a possibility because they're shorter seasons. So they're not going to hit their 100th as quickly as these other shows have. Right. So, um, I mean, I can actually look it up while you're finishing your point. I can see how many episodes we have. Yeah, but I mean, one of the things I think really like Emerald Archer, when we get into breaking it down, I'll put it this way. Invasion, I feel like wasn't the true 100th episode celebration it could have been as much as a great episode as it was. It was also stuck in the middle of a crossover where it still had to give screen time to other players. This was them just celebrating everything that was Arrow. And I think they did it beautifully uh, you know it's funny like we mentioned well the season of arrow isn't the best but i will say it also holds the two best episodes in my mind of Arrowverse shows as a whole in the last several years all both come from the season of arrow it's that you know it's the slab side redemption uh, episode and then you know emerald archer so even if it's not top dog in my mind as far as the show of the year it's definitely has the obviously the two highest rated episodes, I think, hands down, in my opinion. Yeah. And you were you were talking to we were talking to a friend of ours last night when we were at your house and talking about you made that same point in that, you, you know, it's not the strongest show of all these shows. But you're right. It has had two of the stronger episodes of any uh, any of these series. So it's it's done so well. And like, I just. Yeah, I'm I'm simply blown away by uh, not just because Slabside, as you mentioned, was indeed uh, that's to me, hands down, probably the best episode of that series. 
Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, with Slapside Redemption, if that is the best choreography, fight, like, you know, like, action episode, this was probably the best narrative episode they've done. And we so. got the and we got the narrative done by Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> For a couple moments, at least. For a couple so. moments, yeah. Um, All right, well, back shall my, we just... Let's, well, <clears throat> go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, back to my point about Legends, uh, by the end of this season, season four, we will only have 71 episodes. Oh, okay. So it looks like possibly maybe beginning of season six, if it gets to that point, they'll be celebrating their 100th. Okay. So they'll be a season behind when it comes to their right, 100th. Right. They're not going to celebrate in season five. Okay. So so they may not hit theirs. So we'll see. Yeah, it's a matter Time of... Time will tell. Time yeah, will tell. It's a matter if it's going to get get to that season six. But yeah, let's jump back and start breaking these down because there is some fun stuff to talk about. Uh, so Legends across the board for both of us. So going back to... Arrow, Season 7, Episode 12, Emerald Archer. As the camera crew follows Oliver and team around to talk about their past as vigilantes and what the Green Arrow means to Star City, Oliver must also deal with William's return from boarding school as well as a new threat to the city. Uh, So as we mentioned, this is the 150th episode, a milestone episode, and it's funny, it's... As well as we've seen it, you could almost consider slab if like slab side was so good that it could have been a milestone episode, but this is, is just as good. And as we mentioned, we got the, we knew that uh, Kelsey Grammer was going to be doing the narration for the documentary. And I think I, I mentioned this to you yesterday. If there was only one criticism I had of this episode and it's very, very small, I wish we got more of that. Yeah, I, 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 I think I, so. I wish there were. Ju- I just wish there were moments that uh, w- there were more moments where there was more narration. Um, but I will tell you from the very beginning, I loved simply the opening of yeah, the episode. Yeah, the, the Warner Brothers motion pictures logo that came up. Yes. I think I thought that was brilliant. I thought that was really cool that they had it kind of even framed in traditional kind of like sixteen. You know that classic. Uh, you know, uh, it's well, it's not sixteen by nine. Um, you know, that classic letterbox format, like even just the way it was shown. Uh, and I love the fact that they open, opened with Quentin, uh, all those little pieces that they did to put this together. Um, but man, like they, they, they did not hold back. I think the only person that wasn't in the mix this episode was like Robert Moira and like, uh, you know, Walter, <laughs> but everybody else that used to be big players in that show all made an appearance in one way, shape or form. And man, they they just really kept so much under wraps. I was so blown away. Yeah, there was a lot of familiar faces in this episode that you're right. We didn't have any idea. The only one that we knew for sure was coming back was Paul Blackthorne. And we didn't find out until I think the day of uh, that episode airing. That's when that news story broke. Yeah. So, but yeah, but I mean, we obviously Katie Cassidy was already a part of the show, but we got to see. Um, uh, Willa Holland return as Thea Queen. We got to see Grant Gustin playing Barry in the, <laughs> in the episode, which was a lot of fun. Uh, Katie Lotz returning to Arrow as Sarah. Um, uh, uh, Sin, which you mentioned what you were a big fan of seeing. And Rory, Rory Regan, a.k.a. Ragman, finally yeah. coming back for a while. Yeah, like I said, the fact that like uh, Sin was the one that really blew me away the most because we haven't seen her since season two. Um and she was such a big background player for such a long time. Uh, and I apologize, I can't remember the actress's name, but I, I've always been a big fan of her. Um, I have actually, you know, been one of those people in the background that if you haven't given it a chance because 
there's some fantastic actors on the show and they do a great job of it. But um, the MTV Scream series that they did uh, a couple years ago, uh, she was one of the major you know, actors in that show. Bex Taylor, uh, Bex Taylor Kloss yeah. is, is her name. Uh, but she she was fantastic in that. And she was, again, such a major player. And uh, that show just wrapped up. I think they had a special last year that kind of like was the epilogue of that cast. And then the show's coming back with a brand new cast, I think, this year. But really wonderfully done suspense show. And uh, I think she jumped over there. I was doing double duty with Arrow and that. And then because of, I think that show becoming a lot more demanding for her is when she dropped Arrow. So it was really great to see her pop back over here. And I'm kind of hoping that the appearances we saw of a couple people maybe is signaling a return uh, for a few of them. Well, there there is an element of the story that could potentially set that up. Yeah, no, definitely. Especially for two characters. One of them that we don't see, one of them we very much do see. Yeah, uh, I think it's safe to say, too, and, well, not safe to say, but it's worth noting there was another returning character to this episode, not in the documentary, but in the flash-forwards. But we'll save that for when we start talking about the flash-forwards, because I was really excited to see this character finally pop back up, too. There was two returning characters, one we've only seen once before this season, and then the other one we saw back in season one of Legends, so. Yeah, we haven't, well, yeah, this is the first time we're seeing this character pop up in this series. Yeah. So, and not it's not going to be the last time either. No, no. They seem like, uh, I'll put it this way. If you were a little lukewarm on the future stuff, what they just did at the very oh, end of this episode reinvigorated my whole love and uh, an idea for what that could do. I know, like, right around the mid-season finale, I really kind of blasted the show and said, what is the purpose of this at this point? You're just kind of dragging it out. Now, they added an element that makes me go, "Okay, I'm listening." <laughs> so yeah, and and and, and, it's, and I want to see where this is gonna go. But I am I am a lot more excited. This episode did a lot for me to kind of reinvigorate my love of when they put their minds to it that they can do some beautiful writing. Just best Schwartz, keep on, you know, keep your finger on this pulse. Don't move it from here. Keep going, and I think you can have a phenomenal season. Yeah, and I know, um, I don't know if this is, I don't think this is in your news or not, but um, we, I know there's going to be an episode upcoming of Arrow that is entirely a flash forward. We're not going to see any of the of the present day. And after the way this episode wrapped up with those two characters that we saw and how it ties into everything. Uh, I'm excited for that now. I, yeah. I really am. Uh, because they, not only did what they do at the end, set, and we'll talk, we'll go into more detail, but not only what did, not only did what we see at the end set up the possibility of what the future of the series holds, but it ties into Legends very well in that when you look at the timeline, I am now intrigued as to what falls between. Yeah, if most that definitely. Makes, because timeline-wise, what we... We'll wait till we get to the end. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the present day stuff first. The show definitely takes a little bit of a departure uh, from its typical form in that it uses the the documentary. Um, and it's not entirely the episode is not the entire is not documentary the entire time. It does go back and forth between what we're seeing from the film crew and what we're seeing as if we were watching a normal episode of Arrow. <coughs> Sorry. 
Excuse me. No, it's okay. Uh, I felt that coming. I had to stop for a second and get it out. Um, but yeah, it's I, I I'm trying to think of like because there's there's just so much that happens, and yet at the same time, not too much to overanalyze, if that makes sense. Because it's a very straightforward story. We get to see uh, Chimera, who. I think if they played it right, could have been a multi-episode villain. Turned out I to just so. be a villain of the day or villain of the week. I was kind of hoping this was a setup to a brand new big bad. So, but you know what? I was I, too. It, but you know what? I think it's fine that this was just used as a plot device because you know what? It it achieved everything it needed to achieve. You're right. Uh, you got something you had asked for last week. In that you would you wanted to see Curtis suit back up again because you wanted to see the T spheres, and I did, and I, well, it was just nice to see everyone suit back up. Yeah, we, you know we had Wild Dog suited back up. We had uh, obviously Curtis as Mister Terrific. Uh, we had you know Spartan back in full gear, not just wearing Argus Argus stuff. I mean, all these pieces came together perfectly. Um, you know, and like I said, it was, we, we saw that mayor character come back and I can't even remember her actual name. It's just the mayor, uh, <laughs> where it was just, <laughs> she just doesn't really serve a purpose. It feels like, um, it, it, again, like mayor said, she, yeah. So I, it's it really played out the right way where we nail our, we know we're going to get back to what arrow is. It's no longer stuck in this like weird, like anti-vigilante thing. Well, if the anti-vigilante act still stands, we know that the entire core group could potentially be coming back on in full. Now I do think we're going to see a small schism. I think everyone's going to get, we do see at the end of the episode because I kind of have to pull that idea all together here to kind of formulate this, this talking point. Uh, the end of the episode, obviously, the mayor does offer to, you know, Laurel and to obviously Dinah and Oliver uh, that the rest of the team is going to be able to. They're going to be deputized. Become deputized. Yep. So and obviously we don't see that information brought to those members that, hey, you can totally work for their for, you know, the SCPD. Uh, and I think most of them are going to take up that opportunity and a lot of them are going to say no. Well, I think I think we know for sure that Curtis and John uh, are going to be down for it because they're they're we already saw them have that conversation with Oliver about it. So I think if if offered to them, I think they're going to take it. I um, think Renee is the one that's going to say no. Yeah, I could see that uh, because I don't think he's going to want to be constricted by the law. Right, and I think he's like, nope, they're not going to go far enough to do what needs to be done. Uh, and I think you're also going to see that's. Wild Dog and Emiko versus new, new Team Arrow. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, God. Um, but, I mean, that's, I think, kind of where it's kind of setting up. And I think that's okay. I think that works. Um, that generally works. And it's it's funny that you even say the new, new Team Arrow and, and how we kind of grown at, you know, NTA and stuff like that. Because, <laughs> because uh, who was it? I think Curtis at one point mentions uh, Emiko as NGA new green arrow and and oliver's like uh can we just figure out a new name for that yeah and which is kind of the our feelings for i think it was almost kind of like a little bit of a a dig to the audience well not a dig to the audience but a little nod to the audience uh about calling the 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 other team arrow and ta new team arrow yeah yeah so which i thought was a lot of fun so but i mean you know talking about that moment at the end where 
because uh, obviously we're kind of working backwards with this episode a little bit, and that's okay. And I think, yeah, I, I think it makes a lot of sense for what we have to do to to go through the talking points. Yeah, but I mean, we we talk about that at that moment at the end when the mayor offers uh, to deputize uh, the rest of the team and, and the vigilantes, and for good reason because in the battle before that with. Uh, you know, Oliver versus Chimera, in which Diggle hops in and Curtis hops in and Wild Dog hops in, we get to see a moment in which Dinah actually releases her siren to save the mayor's life. So at that very end moment when she hands in her badge and Oliver, you know, gets ready to hand in whatever. The I'm Spartacus moment, kind of. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I, I actually had a big smile on my face when she said she was willing to deputize the rest of the team. Yeah, I, well, because that's the big criticism we've had so far this season. It's it's Arrow with really essentially almost out Arrow and any super heroics. It's been a lot of people working behind desks and a lot of a lot of talking. And that's, I don't think, what the audience wants. It's fine to shake up the formula for a while, but it's, it's getting close to halfway through the season or just, well, no, it, it just hit halfway through the season. So you have to make a decision. Are you going to stay this way or are you going to be willing to make a massive change? Yeah. So it's it's important for them to say what they're going to be going forward. This, I think, officially kind of kicks off uh, the the final back half of the series for this season. Well, not series, but season. And I think this was them saying, no, no, no. We heard you guys. We, we weren't planning that. This, we wanted to build our story up to get to this point. This this was the season finale of season seven A. Yeah, right. And, and, and now we're right. we're going into season seven. We're we're going into season seven B now. Right, and, and I I think this this episode I think would have served so much better as a mid season finale. I think you're right because then when we came back we would have been full flat. And that's the point I was going to make too was you know seeing that moment. And seeing everybody deputized, and you're right, there's going to be some points of contention when it comes to this, and we'll, they'll explore that when they get to it. But seeing that everybody was going to be deputized, and they were all going to be willing to, uh, they were all going to be able to work within the confines of the law now to be the people that they are, I think that was when I, when that moment happened, in the back of my head, I was thinking, oh shit, things are going to start happening now. Yeah, and that's yeah. why I got excited by that moment. So uh, yeah, that's one of the things. That's one of the things I loved about it. And I, I, I personally, you're right. It's a Spartacus moment, but I loved it. Like yeah, I, I think it worked here. I it, really do think it worked here. It's it's it was such a way for it. You know, as much as we've criticized Dinah's character of, since Collision Course and stuff, um, I, I I think I'm finally starting to come around, come back around on her character. Yeah, well, this is actually, I feel like, the first time I've come around on her character. I feel like she was always kind of a bit of an empty shell. And I do think that this season they found a, found where she belongs. And they're they're doing something with her character that makes her interesting. And they're making her, again, I, I, not having Quentin around anymore, but kind of blending where her role was originally to add, like her also kind of taking over Quentin's role. That it works very well. And I think that kind of made her a complete character for the very first time. So I think that this is this is proving that this is going to work. And if my prediction's right about where we're going to see Wild Dog in this mix, you know what? I think that makes his character continue to be different and grow and have new things to do. 
and where Emiko falls into all this stuff. Yeah. So. Uh, now, my question for you, and this is something I was curious watching this episode. Um, we, we saw Chimera, and we saw Chimera as somebody who hunted vigilantes. At one point when they're in his lair, we see masks. Um, you know, most notably to me was seeing Ragman. Uh, yeah. And his mask in there, which kind of got me disappointed because at, at first I had thought that, well, that's why we haven't seen Ragman. That's because he's dead. Uh, mm. and, and then we find out a little bit later on that, uh, you know, in a, in a conversation with Diggle, that they're still they've reached a number of these people. Rory and I think Sin are two that they haven't been able to contact. So he's just collecting their masks. They're not technically they're not necessarily well, dead. Did did we get confirmation that they haven't been able to get in contact with? Uh, did they were they able to get in contact with um, Huntress? Oh no, that's who it was. It was Huntress, it was, Huntress, and Rory were the two they couldn't get in contact with. Right. So they're they're still they're still missing in action. So, AKA, we don't know if those characters are ever going to return as characters on the show. So it's a big wait and see, or they could be presumed dead. So I, I think regardless. Um, it, it's it's a point where they can jump back to this storyline whenever they're ready. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm I think that's great. So I'm I'm looking forward to. I'm really hoping now that they do find a way to bring one of them back or confirm a death or something like that. And I don't think anybody's going to be really bumming if you know they confirm that Huntress is dead. She was always kind of like, eh, no, but bit. I but I was <laughs> always know? a big fan of Rory, so I would I would love to oh, see yeah, him same, return, same. even if he even if he just comes to get his mask back. Like, I want to see him, I want to see that character return to the fold, if only for an episode. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. Uh, so. But but back to the point I was going to make with my question, we saw over the course of the last episode the notes that the Canaries were getting. Do we think that was Chimera, or is this something completely different? I think it's already been confirmed and is a different person. Okay. So. All right, so that, that was going to be... Um, because I think I think it would be an interesting fact to see these characters potentially let their guard down again because they they could have related that to Chimera. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I, I know we're going to see that. I think they said play out in the next episode. We'll see that storyline potentially continue a little bit. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, like I think beyond all those points, man. Like I, that's it. Really, kind of covers the major major pieces of this episode because really this was just a celebration of all the characters that came before in the, uh, from where we are right now in this season and it just honoring that their their roles across across the series but at the same time showing that Oliver felt like he finally found his place and now hopefully allowing all the other members to feel like they found their place as well. So. Yeah. I think the only thing left to, that's really happened in the, in the meat of the episode was we got uh, more progression of the story. We got to see William return from boarding school and mm -hmm. we're, we're seeing him kind of being a little rebellious uh, in, in his age now. And the fact that like he was kicked out of school, he created a fake website to keep Felicity, which was a dumb idea because we knew Felicity was going to get around that. Uh, you know, to get Felicity to or to fool Felicity and Oliver to make them think he was still in school. Uh, so I think it's going to be interesting to see how this rebellious side of William is going to play out and potentially tie into where he is in the flash forwards now. Yeah, yeah and I think this this episode's maybe if they like I said, obviously I have a feeling we'll see him for another episode or two. This is most likely when he's probably trying to come out um, because I you know we know in the future that he is gay. 
And uh, oh, I, think I didn't that even could, put that together. That should, that, that could I think be is it. Probably the connection point right now because he was even when he was talking with Zoe, um, it seemed like there was still a little bit of a uh, he, you know, him wanting to kind of broach that with her, and I think that could be all connected. So I think that's what we might see. Okay. So. Yeah, I didn't even put the two of them together. I didn't even think about that. Could that could be why he's going through the angst that he's going through now? Most likely. I, I mean, I, it would make a lot of sense based on what we know from this season from his character in the future. So, uh, but there could be more to it as well. So it's a big wait and see. Yeah. Uh, so, <clears throat> excuse me. Let's just uh, let's get to the end of the episode. Um, I think, I think it was really well done the fact that they formatted this episode in the form of a documentary and they basically did that to tie it to the flash forwards in that when we <clears throat> when we get the pan out from the end of this episode we see that it is maya and that mia. Ter- oh is it mia mia oh because imdb has it as maya so nope. imdb is wrong Damn. uh <laughs> um but we also get that other returning character that I had mentioned in that we get uh, Connor Hawk, a.k.a. the future Green Arrow, uh, also watching this documentary with her. Or no, I think it was, were they together at this point? Yep. Okay, that's right, because they're together from that point till the end of the episode. They're, they're in the rebuilt Arrow Cave, because we do see Oliver at the end of the episode returning to the the decimated arrow cave from last season. Um, so we're going to see kind of, we know that means that that's getting restored. Oh, he says it flat out in, in on mm-hmm. camera that they're going to rebuild. Yeah. Uh, so I, I have a feeling within the next couple episodes, we're going to see that set return. Oh yeah. Absolutely. So, but yeah, I mean, we get Connor Hawk, uh, you know, with, uh, with Mia. And as we know, Connor Hawk from legends of tomorrow is the future green arrow. Interesting. John Dale jr. <laughs> yes. Interesting to point out though, that legends of tomorrow took place in 2049 and we're now in 2040 and both Mia and Connor are kind of still anti-vigilante. Mm-hmm. At the point that they're in now, so it's going to be very interesting to see what happens to kind of make them make that switch. Yeah. Well, what's interesting, and I kind of have to make a correction from something I said a couple of weeks ago when I went on my long Arrow diatribe um, at the mid-season finale. Uh, I made a comment that Emiko, I was like, was kind of uh, the was kind of they were kind of piggybacking, like you know, <clears throat> Thea's creation off of Emiko Queen. Uh, that was not where I was actually meeting. I met Thea was based off of Mia Durden, or Dearden, uh, which is a character from uh, Kevin Smith's run on writing Green Arrow, uh, not Emiko. So that was my confusion mentally because when I said that, I was like, wait a second. I don't think that's right. And then <laughs> I never went back around to it. And now the fact that they brought Mia Dearden in, then I'm like, wait a second. Okay, now I should definitely bring back up and make a correction to that original point. So yeah, really, really cool to find out that Black Star is not really Black Star. It's just a her in ring name essentially. Uh, it's it, she's actually playing Mia, which is really cool. Which we know was one of Ollie's sidekicks for quite some time in the comics. Yeah. Um. You know, so it, it's fun to find they found a way to bring her character in without um having to shove another character into the present timeline and kind of eat up another one of those spots which i think it makes it feel a little bloated and a little heavy at times too many characters allows not for enough you know character moments to kind of allow them to grow so 
I think the fact that now we're going to see her in the future with Connor works perfectly. I think that works. That's a great team up. I want to see turn into their heroic identities. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see that as well. Uh, You know what, though? I've seen some recent articles about this, and we've actually been saying this since this year's crossover and the announcement of uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. I'm more and more convinced every week <clears throat> we're getting a setup for the end of Oliver Queen. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm, yeah, I, I think – and I think what's smart about this is I know – God, I know a lot of people are going to be very disappointed to see Steven leave the series. And I, I think rightfully so. He is basically the pioneer of the Arrowverse. He – you know, I, I read in a recent article about how when Arrow first debuted, it was given a 1 in 100 chance of actually making it past season 1. We're now in season 7 with a season 8 on the horizon. Crisis on Infinite Earths is on the horizon. There's multiple spin-offs of this series. It's created its own universe. So, yes, there's going to be some disappointment if Steven leaves the show. I think there's going to be some over-criticism if Steven leaves the show because there are people out there that feel like... It's the show can't survive without him, but I think the show is taking the right steps in setting up the possibility that if Steven or when Steven leaves, they can continue this show. It doesn't have to end with him leaving if they don't want it to. It will. <laughs> I th- oh, I'm in full agreement. I think the series will end. Um, yeah. But it. Uh, but uh, you know what. I think it's better, though, to bow out gracefully than to go on so long that no one cares anymore. True. But uh, I, you know what? Like, well, let you me don't let me need ref- to be supernatural. You don't need to have 15 seasons. Well, let me rephrase. Yeah. The Arrow, the universe of Arrow, whether the show continues or Steven stays on or whatever, they're setting up the fact that even if the show ends, the story continues. Yeah. The if story that makes continues. more sense. Yeah, it's like how, like, I don't know, I know you never really kind of watched it, but Bruce Timm's, you know, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, the way that ends is perfect. It's kind of like you see all the heroes run out basically from, like, you know, the equivalent of their Hall of Justice chasing after a large group of villains. And you just, it's a quick, uh, quick little quip between Batman and Superman as they kind of race towards the, the camera uh, as they go after chasing them. It's kind of like, up. Oh, another day and yeah. then it just ends and you're like that's perfect because that's what it is there's always going to be another story to tell yeah and i i think you're right that's the way that this is gonna the pieces are getting set in motion and i think that's that that's fantastic and i i, I think again we could potentially be seeing not one but i think maybe potentially a couple shows on the part of the Arrowverse maybe come to end uh, next year, I would not be surprised. Uh, I would not be surprised, and, and as much as I would be disappointed in it, um, yeah, I think by the end of next season, with after Crisis and everything plays out, I think we could potentially see an end to both Arrow and the Flash. And I would not be surprised if that is also the end of something like Legends of Tomorrow. I think if there's a big part in my brain that's thinking there's a high probability Flash. Flash, I would say I'm 50-50. I would say Flash is kind of next year maybe on the bubble. Um, Arrow, I think, ends for sure at the end of Season 8. I don't know if Legends gets another season after this one. And and, and And more for the ratings than anything else. 
And the one that I think survives all of this, hands down, Supergirl. Supergirl. I agree. I agree completely. I, I would love. I because would love. I would not be surprised to see just a Batwoman and a, a, a Supergirl show running oh, in that, tandem. That would be fantastic, especially yeah. if universes and multiverses are converged. Yeah. Because then they'll be in the same universe, which would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I can, I definitely see Arrow possibly wrapping up at the end of season eight. Flash potentially as well. I'd like to see Flash continue, but. I think there's a high chance Flash still will, but I wouldn't be surprised. I'll put it that way. Yeah, me neither. Uh, all right. So anything else about this episode before we look to the future and talk about the Flash? Very good. Would We'll watch again. Yes. <laughs> I Actually, I want to watch again. I just haven't had yeah. a chance to yet. Uh, next week, Season 7, Episode 13, Star City Slayers. Oliver and Felicity are disappointing after learning that Will is hiding something from them. So this could very well potentially be what you said. Uh, wanting to focus on his family, Oliver steps back from Green Arrow's du- from Green Arrow duties uh, and lets the team take over tracking a serial killer. And we are going to see the return of Stanley next week, who we know uh, somebody who ties into uh, Slabside Redemption. Yep. So eh, going to be interesting, but we'll see. And it looks like we're going to get some more flash forwards again uh, next week. Yeah. All right, let's talk about The Flash. Season 5, episode 13, titled Gold-Faced. Barry and Ralph must go undercover as criminals in an illegal black market to purchase a device that could help them stop Cicada. Once inside, Barry and Ralph find their morality tested as they slip deeper into the criminal world, eventually having to choose between committing a crime or losing the means to defeat one of their greatest foes. Meanwhile, Iris investigates a lead on Cicada where Cicada's whereabouts and ends up in a dangerous situation. So, I want to start off on this episode by saying, I, I, and I I hope this doesn't come across as hypocritical because we've been criticizing Arrow for not seeing the superheroics for a while. But the only reason why we say that about Arrow is because we haven't seen them pretty much almost at all this season. We've seen a couple bits here and there. Flash, on the other hand, I really enjoyed the fact that that we got to focus on the fact that Ralph and Barry are heroes without their powers. I liked seeing the episode a little bit more grounded and seeing that these guys can be heroes without superpowers. Yeah, I thought that worked out well, and it it tied really into their message that, hey, even if Cicada doesn't allow them to use their abilities, they still were like, this episode reminded them that they can still handle a fight even without Yes. Yeah, exactly. So that, to me, was one of my favorite ep- parts of this episode. Actually, it was yeah, my favorite I, part of this episode. I, 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 Oh, yeah, I thoroughly love the two of those characters together and playing off of each other because we don't really see much of them just hand in hand, uh, especially this season. Uh, you know, obviously last year quite a bit, but this year not so much. And I, I think they really did a great job of showcasing, you know, Hartley and uh, Grant's, you know, acting chops together. And, man, I, I love watching that. And we'll get to a news story that kind of bums us out a little bit. But, you know, at the same time, because of somebody like Hartley Sawyer, I'm not too worried. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I could, I could see that as well. Um, I had another point. I completely lost it. <laughs> I don't remember what it was now. Oh, uh, the, I remember what it was now. The other thing about that, the whole playoff of Hartley and Grant in this episode, too, is um, Grant well more Barry Barry kind of frightened me 
a little bit this episode because it seems like Barry almost has a darker side that I, I guess we kind of saw a little bit in Savitar in his future, but the fact that he was very easily be able to intimidate Goldface uh, and convince him that he was a, a sinister criminal. The chemist. The chemist. It's kind of frightening. I, you know, it was I, I love that play out. That was that was well well done and well acted by Grant too. I, yes. I really I really enjoyed that. I, I thought the the exchanges that they did and honestly too, like I said, I love the way that they handled Goldface. I, I at first I was just kind of like, oh I guess they're not gonna do the whole like gold body and all that stuff with the mask or anything like that. And then the way that they kind of put that little spin on it at the end after he gets shot and you're like, oh, it's all underneath his skin. That's pretty cool. I really kind of dug that. And like, I, you know, traditionally a big Green Lantern villain, but he has been a villain in the Flash universe as well in the comics. They did a really beautiful job of adapting him and turning him into a character that worked and fit the scenario and situation perfectly. And man, great, great job on that entire story arc. And but man, you're right though, what they did with Barry here, it, it does make you go, "Wow, nice, nicely done." Yeah. At the same time, I'm like, okay, little, little intimidated at that point. <laughs> but yeah, usually you're like Barry intimidated by, not really. This one, you're like, no, I'd buy it. Yeah, that, that's a little creepy. Yeah, but I mean... Even, you even see Ralph, and he's just like, holy... Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You get that look from Ralph, and then he kind of gives him the nod, like, well done, sir. Uh, yeah. You know, which was just... I love seeing the playoff of these two characters together. I think they do play off very well together. Uh, you know, because, I mean, you think about it, they're both in law enforcement. You know, Barry's a CSI and Ralph a, a detective. So seeing them kind of play off each other and, and kind of pretend to be the bad guys grant take or barry kind of takes it a little bit more seriously in that it's it's he's very well out of his comfort zone but he's going to do what needs to be done where meanwhile ralph gets a kick out of it like he has fun with it and, i mean even with they have that first interaction with goldface and you know scum can smell scum and he looks at and he looks at ralph he's like i could smell you the moment you walked in this room yeah. and there's that look on ralph's faces and like i'm intimate like i'm insulted but i'm kind of not it's like well thanks <laughs> thanks <guess>. yeah <laughs> exactly um yeah so i mean this was just a fun playoff uh, of these two characters and but it was also nice to see that even though barry kind of went into that dark territory uh you know to become the chemist or portray himself as the chemist you could definitely see that inner struggle of his morality still fighting to come to the forefront yeah, yeah uh, absolutely. you know which was just a lot a, a very interesting playoff to to watch and and you're right grant acted it beautifully like he portrayed both of these characters it, it was like a perfect conflicted mix of these two characters yeah absolutely i really thoroughly was very excited to see that play out and Again, I hope we get to see a little bit more than two of these characters play off of each other. Um, all right, well, let's let's jump over to the Iris stuff because that was also incredibly well done this week, and really tense and beautifully acted. Um, we we do see Iris kind of saying, "Okay, you know, she's got to try to find a way to kind of bring an audience into the Central City Citizen." And one of the big things she found is that she's just not pulling in views because she's not doing what she used to do that people cared about, which was focusing on what was going on with the metas. The way that she did with DeVoe kind of helped bring 
you know, eyes to the big issues in, in play. And she kind of gets Barry's blessing to go ahead and start reporting and doing some research on Orlin, uh, a.k.a. Cicada. Yeah. So I, you, she decides, you know what, I'm just going to go for it. She does a little bit of digging at the, uh, his ex-place you know, of employment and finds out exactly where uh, you know he might be residing and says, screw it, I'm going to go in uh, very fearlessly too. Just dive into the mix and say, okay, you know what, I'm just going to go for this. And while we do see her there, obviously Orlin Dwyer comes in while she's trapped inside the apartment. And you see a really great suspenseful sequence where she's just kind of trapped behind a chair and he can tell something's off. And uh, we end up seeing her kind of position herself inside the front door and says, well, I want to talk about like lead in the water. I'm just a journalist, such and such and such. Uh, which unfortunately goes very tits up for her, and she ends up kind of getting caught in the situation when she finds out she left her purse behind and kind of has to sneak out with that, which he quickly realizes. But we actually see these characters go toe-to-toe, and man, Iris really holds her own through this whole whole kind of ordeal. Yeah, I... Yeah, I, I was just kind of blown away, just between physically between kind of just outthinking the situation. And that's what I was really pleased to see. It felt like we saw her character really, truly evolve here. And it was awesome to watch. Well, there, there's two things that came out of this whole uh, this whole situation for me. And you're right. that One of them, the biggest one was probably the fact that Iris really held her own against uh, against or- Orlin. And she can't, she is a badass. I mean, Iris, while she does not have any metahuman abilities, she fits into this team. Like, she can hold her own against... Now, granted, Orlin, while intimidating and very formidable of a foe, isn't anybody like, you know, like... This. I don't think if you put Iris up against, like, Grodd or King Shark, she would stand a chance. No. Um... You know, but uh, with somebody like this, she definitely did held her, hold her own. And it did solidify Iris more as a little bit more of a badass to me. Yeah, I mean, and she's had two moments like this one and then when the one where she jumped off the top of a building yes. this year. Um, oh, that I, was the know, moment I told you I was like, okay, this whole we are the Flash thing, I'm in. I don't care. Yeah. Like, that's I'm good with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, so when we get to the primary awards, uh, best badass, Iris could be a contender this year, <laughs> she, man. She uh, could be. Uh, so. The other thing that did come out of this scene for me is one of the other things that we, one of the other criticisms that we've had, and you know, I think Shad was the one that kind of put the nail on the head for it was uh, Cicada uh, opposing Orlin, eh, not so much. Yeah. Um, I kind of bought more into Orlin this week. Yeah, I did too. I mean, well, I mean, again, it's the same person. It's, it, you know, like I said, we we may see a different cicada later on, maybe in a couple of weeks. I would not be surprised. But I, I, I can't, I can't really separate the two because they're the same person. They're the, it's he is, or you know, Orland Dwyer is cicada. He is so, cicada, but I think it's the whole. I think it's the whole Chris Klein aspect. Kind of, it makes it a little. I mean, especially we've talked about it before. That whole scene in the hospital with all oh, metas must die or whatever. Like it's I mean, again, cheesy and it's hokey. Well, yeah. Well, that's also just bad writing, and bad, that that was the director not doing their job. That's really what that was. I won't put that on Chris Klein. I that that was bad, bad, bad directing. <laughs> so that's really what it boils. But uh, yeah, but I mean, but even like just it, this episode, Orlin to me became just as formidable as Cicada 
Because I mean, now let's let me kind of reevaluate this a little bit. When I when okay. I say Orlin and I say Cicada, Cicada obviously is hooded with the dagger. But when Cicada when Orlin doesn't have that dagger in his hand, to me he's not as formidable. This, because it is the dagger in essence. I mean, that we do know there is that shrapnel in him that has kind of given him strength a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't know exactly what that's doing. We know it's it's helping, it's healing him in some way. We just, I don't think we've gotten a full grasp yet of what that is doing to him. Right. Uh, but without the dagger in his hand, this episode, Orlin became just as formidable as Cicada. I, I, I can see that. Uh you know, I, like I said, I also will agree to disagree a little bit on that. Yeah. But, you know, a, a hoodie does not make somebody a supervillain. No, <laughs> so. I, no. And that's why I said I think it's the dagger more than anything right. else makes him Cicada over Orlin. I think it's the dagger that makes them two different people. And yeah, I, I, I get you. I get you with that. And to yeah. me this week, he became just as intimidating without the dagger as he is with it. Right. And that's that's the point I'm trying to make. No, I totally get that. I, that makes sense to me. So, uh, yeah, but I think you're right. I think there was a great element of suspense. I think the writing and the directing of the episode and to build that suspense was very well done. Yeah, it was greatly executed. And I think one of the other pieces, too, we do find out that obviously that shrapnel wound is a major weakness point that he's got. He's got a self-destruct button. <laughs> so and I think that if they keep focusing there, then we're going to see a way for them to inject the cure because that's what they have to figure out and they know exactly where to hit. Yeah, so. his his greatest strength could be his weakness Yeah, in, in that aspect. Uh, there's one other element of the episode I do want to talk about, but I want to jump back to the Barry and Ralph um, moment because there's one thing that happened in this episode I didn't think I would ever see. It's something I never considered, but when it actually happened, uh, I was all smiles and because of the fact that I didn't, I never considered it ever happening, but now that it happened, I was like, oh, didn't think that would ever happen. Don't know why I would have ever, but it did. Uh, and that is hearing Rob Zombie in the soundtrack of a Flash episode. Yeah, and it kind of worked. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> going to lie. It totally worked. More human than human in an episode of The Flash. Uh, no, Dragula. Oh, Dragula. You're right. That's yeah, right. Yeah. I, I haven't was, heard that I, song in forever. I was listening to More Human Than Human yesterday. That's why I was thinking of it. Um, but because that, that was actually my second dose of Rob Zombie yesterday. Uh, but yeah, but hearing Dragula in an episode of The Flash was just fantastic. It made that scene so much more fun. Yeah, it, it really did. That was just a fun sequence. It, and then, it really, then pu- really was. And then them pulling out the pistols to shoot Goldface and Ralph. Like, <laughs> he really should have frisked us first. Yeah. Uh, and then we had the whole actually the final battle with Coldface. Um, they definitely had they definitely had fun. Uh yeah, I real quick before we get to the final point, we haven't been seeing a lot of Barry in the flash suit uh the last couple episodes. Do you think that's because they're tweaking the suit again? I think it's a possibility, but that would mean that's like what the third suit we're getting this yeah. season. Yeah, but I know a lot of people still think the suit looks horrible. <laughs> so. uh, you know what? I've actually grown accustomed to it. It doesn't bother like me. Cal. It's not as bad as it was, but I'm still not a fan. Um, I don't know. I uh, think this still looks wonky, but uh, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, there's one other point, and it's actually made up of two that we we kind of have to discuss a little bit. One of them, I think, is the main thread throughout the the se- one of the main threads throughout the season this season, and the other one is just. Uh, an element of fun that they had with it, uh, and that is we got to talk more about Nora. Eobard, 
Sherlock, and now Renee Adler. Yeah. Um, we knew that Kimberly Williams Paisley was going to be coming in to play Sherlock's ex-wife. We didn't know it was going to be all of his ex-wives. Or four, Which was a really cool twist. Four of his ex-wives. The well, f- this was this was that piece that we kind of needed for Sherlock's character. Yes. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Um, you know, seeing... Uh, and with an interesting twist at the end of it, too, by the way. But yeah, very much so. You know, we get to see four different versions of Sherlock's ex-wife, Sherlock's ex- ex-wife, all played by Kimberly, um, Kimberly, uh, Kimberly Williams Paisley. Uh, very well done in the different character aspects that she did. But it never crossed my mind that seven ex-wives were all the same woman. Yeah. But it totally makes sense when it comes to Sherlock's character. Yeah, he, he's just in love with this one person, and it keeps going wrong on every earth that he meets her. And, um, and it, I thought that was a cool way to kind of do that. It, it's it's the fact that he is this hopeless romantic. Yeah. Just, and, you know, and, you know, it gave us an element of his character, as I just mentioned, that we really desperately needed. He felt like he was just there to kind of solve a plot problem, and now he feels like a fully-fledged character, which – is great to see because Kavanaugh has always been one of the MVPs of every season, whether what, whatever role he's playing. And this one always felt a little half baked. And I'm really happy that they're finally adding an element. That's like, okay, cool. I'm good with this. Yeah. and, And you're right. I think it does. It adds that extra element of his character and it's, in many ways, while it is a lot of levity to the episode of seeing him deal with his ex wives and, you know, we get the whole aspect of, you know, the marriages that didn't work and they're giving their reasons why. And he's giving his reasons in return, you know, with releasing the fruit bats at the wedding and, and him replying like, well, she was into endangered species. I thought that was, you know, romantic, romantic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, you, they're saying these things in very humorous style. But when you sit back and you analyze it and you realize it, you're right. He is a hopeless romantic. Yeah. Uh, he may not be approaching it the proper way. But he, while he kind of has been um, a more sheltered character, I guess, in some ways, he really does have a huge heart. And I think I'm going to have so much fun watching them explore that, especially now that he's seeing he's now met this Earth's version of Renee. Yeah. Uh, which I think is is going to be... Now, I mean, the one thing we're neglecting to mention, too, is when it comes to the Nora and Eobard aspect of this, uh, this has become basically Eobard's plan for Nora to distract Sherlock from discovering her secret. And I love the fact that we we see that timeline is malleable, the timeline is malleable, kind of come to fruition and kind of just that simple little piece, which I love, thought was beautifully done, was just Nora putting this coffee cup down in one spot and how it kind of redirects uh, two people to meet, uh, which was, I, I thought that was really cool that like Eobard's using that kind of to set up his ultimate goals here. And I thought that really worked well here. And the more and more I'm watching the season, I'm like, I kind of think excess and Nora are the big bads essentially this season, not Cicada. Like, obviously we know Nora is not the bad guy, bad guy, but like indirectly kind of is. And I think the more as you watch all this play out, you're like, okay, I really, really want to see where this is going to go. Yeah. Yeah. And But at the same time, too, while you're right, we're seeing how the timeline is malleable. We're also seeing a little bit this time. We're also seeing a little bit at the same time in that, yes, the timeline is malleable, but it's not as simple 
as it may be made out to be. Because right. even with placing the coffee cup and everything else that she did in order to get Sherlock and Renee to meet, things still didn't go exactly as planned in the beginning. So there are there's the timeline finds a way to course correct itself in its own way. So it's going to take a lot more work for Nora to kind of change the timeline the way she wants it to because she now had to step in she had to bring the other renee's in she had to coax sherlock to kind of go after this this version of renee again it wasn't as simple as just placing a coffee cup right and and i think you're right i think if you add that into everything that's going on i think nora playing with the timeline could be a big bad situation yeah uh, and you know season. what if that was the case i would not be disappointed so but, you know, it's a big wait and see on how that's going to play out. And, you know, but I'm, I'm curious on seeing it kind of come to fruition. But, you know, we do see some great scenes with uh, Renee and Sherlock by the end. And, you know, when they do kind of get to the point where he kind of is like, look, you know what? I'm a detective. Let me prove why. Sorry if I came off creepy, all that stuff. And they do talk about, hey, well, let's definitely, you know, talk again in the future when we see her leave jitters. We see that she's a meta. She opens the door uh, without touching it. And yeah. um, it is enough to redirect Sherlock off of looking at what Nora's up to and more on how to stop Cicada, which is objective complete for Eobard and Nora at this point. It, it, it kind of saves her and keeps her secret safe for at least a couple more weeks, and then we'll see it play out. Yeah. Um do we think there's going to – what are your thoughts on Renee being a meta? You know what? I, I She doesn't seem like she's going to be a villain. She doesn't seem like she's going to be a hero. She just seems like she's an average Joe that happens to have powers that's trying to be careful with them. And probably that's going to be my bet. Do you, so. th do you think as the connection to Renee and Sherlock builds uh, along with this element of the metahuman cure, do you think they could potentially tie into each other? They very well could. I mean, I think that MetaHuman Cure is going to have a big, big, big impact, especially after one of the pieces of the news that we saw that just dropped just the other day. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I think that could really come into play, and I could see think we could see a reduction of of metas for at least a little bit on the Flash. Okay, all right. Uh, I think that pretty much covers everything I had to say about the episode. I don't know. Yeah, about you. I mean, I, I think it was a really fantastic week all, all across the board. Uh, you know, I know we didn't talk, you know, at great length about the Nora and Sherlock stuff, but I, I think that was as easily, wonderfully executed as every other piece of the episode. I mean, it, you know, I would say if, you know, Emerald Archer got like a 10 out of 10, I don't think that's a question in my brain. Uh, this this was sitting at like it's a it's a low low tier legend, but it was still, I think, worthy of that legend. I think it was like an eight or an eight five. Yeah, because I, I think they, ha they had an opportunity to explore enough and do some unique things with that cast of characters. And they all had their ability to shine and and have good great sequences to play off of uh and it made me want more uh, which is when a show that's run this long can make you excited for what's to come next week i think they achieve ultimately all they need to achieve which is to make you remember why you enjoy these shows yeah yeah for sure um one final question i have for you before we talk about um next week's episode and then we, we jump into the news uh an interesting question crossed my mind this week, and I don't know why I didn't really think of it before, and it's probably too long of a discussion to even think about, or it might be even simplified, and I don't know. 
uh, we're seeing these future versions of I of Iabarthon. And there was a, a line that he says when he's talking to Nora about how people can wear many faces. Why do we think Eobard is still wearing Wells's face? I, to be honest, I have no fucking clue. Okay, <laughs> sorry. I'm glad I'm not the only one. I, I, I apologize <laughs> for the language. It feels like my mental answer is um, Matt Lesher wasn't available. <laughs> and, <laughs> so. and you know what? And I think that's part of it. I think Matt Lesher might not have been. Well, I also. Yeah, I think Matt Lesher wasn't available, so that's why, because this is a practically an, a full season character, <clears throat> very shortened, but it's easier to do it <clears throat> with Kavanaugh than it is with Lesher. As great as it would have been to see Lesher return, but the writers had to have known that question was going to come up at some point. Why is he wearing Wells's face instead of Eobard's face? Uh, especially because of all the different versions that we've seen already. We've seen Reverse Flash. Um, I, I heard a, a theory about how this is technically Flashpoint's version of Eobarthon. Uh Well, if that's the case, why is he wearing Wells' face? Because, you know, we've already met Flashpoint's version, and it was Matt Lesher. So it, it was Eobard's original face. I think there has to be an explanation at some point before this they, season is over. They, as already to, said, they, will, they already said they're going to be explaining that in full. Okay, so. all right, good. That As long as I know we're getting an explanation, I'm not going to linger on it too much. Yeah, this goes back to right around the mid-season finale that the showrunners, it was a news story we reported on, they said they are going to fully explain why it seems like Reverse Flash can just never die and why he is where he is currently in this season of The Flash. So they said there's going to be an entire episode dealing with all of that. So we will see that come to fruition probably in a couple weeks. Because another thing that I, I've read and one of the theories as to why this was, um, was actually something that was corrected that I, I was misinterpreting on in that when we got the Crisis on Earth X and we got that version of Reverse Flash, I was under the impression that was Earth's X version of Reverse of Eobard. No, it was not. It's it was. not. It's Earth yeah. 1. Yeah, it was the Earth One version. Yeah, yeah they, see, they they mentioned that in the big fight near the end of that. So okay, see, I I missed that part. I I yep. gloss over that. I need to go back and just rewatch the crossovers, like <laughs> all of them: Invasion, Crisis on Earth X, and um, what was the last one? <laughs> Elseworlds. Elseworlds. <laughs> Dude, my trust me. Uh, this is a side story. Like I went out and saw Jim Gaffigan last night with our friend, with Rob and I's mutual friend Bill. And dude, you can talk to, but you can ask Bill how many times my mind blanked on people's names last night. Like I'm, <laughs> I swear I'm going senile. Like it's, it's okay. It, it's just this weekend. This weekend has been such a fantastic weekend and it's yeah, not uh, over yet. I mean, between, oh, I know we've got more to do tonight together between, uh, between stuff that we did with our group of friends yesterday, going to see Jim Gaffigan with one of our friends last night, uh, you know, recording this morning, we're doing more stuff later this evening. Like this has just been an awesome weekend. And I think my brain's kind of on overload a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or just overly relaxed. I think is, is probably what it is. Yeah. I think that's kind of where I am too. Cause even right now, like I am wearing like my like super comfy robe. I've got my hood up. Like my hands are in my pockets. I'm like leaned back as far as I can in my chair while still being able to reach my mic. Like I, I like I know last week was a low energy week. Right now I'm just kind of like yeah sure cool that sounds great. Yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, but looking forward to Flash uh, uh, this coming week, uh, season five, episode fourteen, cause and excess. After Iris lands in danger, in serious danger, Nora races to save her mother. Barry puts the finishing touches on the metahuman cure, leaving Cisco with a rare night off. So he decides to take Camilla on a date. 
And it looks like we are going to finally see the return of Jesse L. Martin to The Flash. Indeed. Which, God, I miss Papa Joe. I really do. Well, wait, is he coming back this one? I thought he was coming back episode 15. Well, he's listed um, in the episode and not as credit only, which he has been in the past. So we will. Maybe. I mean, it could be episode 15. I don't know. But um, episode 15 doesn't have an episode title or plot yet. So, okay, we had a news story a couple weeks ago that said that he was returning on episode 15. So it uh, might be it it might be. We'll see. But if it's not this one, it's the one after. So if you've been waiting for Papa Joe's triumphant return. Uh, that where he's not sitting on couches or leaning on walls. Uh, <laughs> very excited to see him come back to the show. Yes. Um, so uh, that's going to wrap it up for talk of the episodes this week. We, of course, I completely forgot this week, and I apologize to anybody who might have been looking for it. I completely forgot to post the posts on our Facebook page for feedback. Um, I'm going to schedule them ahead of time now uh, so that I don't forget uh, so they'll they'll post automatically on their own, even if I forget to do it. Uh, but f- make sure after the episodes, we want to hear your feedback as well so we can read it on the podcast and talk uh, more in depth about it. So look for those posts, the feedback posts on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash DC primetime. Uh, but let's jump into the news. Yeah. Um, so let's start on the film side. There's actually very little to talk about this week, so this is going to go quick. Uh, but a uh, little Shazam stuff to talk about. So according to We Got This Covered, I'm just going to re- read this direct quote because uh, this involves a cameo by Superman. So according uh, according to sources close to We Got This Covered, the Man of Steel's appearance comes at the end of Billy Batson's new film as part of the payoff to a running joke. Throughout the movie, it's said that Billy's friend and foster brother, Freddie Freeman, has been asking Billy to show up as uh, at his school in the Shazam persona to prove to all of Freddy's classmates that he knows the hero. In the final scene, Shazam, uh, sorry, Shazam finally shows up before saying that he brought another friend with him. At this point, Superman walks into the room, but since Cavill isn't uh, looking ready to return anytime soon, the film will allegedly use a body double that does not show Clark Kent's face. So um, that was a big rumor that has been going on for some time that Cavill would not be the uh be coming back to play that character and again not a big surprise because ultimately where all this boils down to and i think ben you would agree with me with them distancing from a dceu and allowing these characters to breathe on their own obviously we know we're getting three films with wonder woman more than likely we are getting an aquaman sequel because again it just broke suicide squad and they're thinking by this coming week it's going to uh uh, surpass domestically BBS. Yeah. So, and it's already over. God, way too much money. So, <laughs> no, and that I, movie, that movie is doing phenomenally. Yeah. So, and I agree. I agree with what you. I they're distancing themselves from from kind of that shared universe. So, so, and again, because we have Matt Reeves' Batman project, and they said they want a kind of a, a perfect in between age, aka the uh, what people are failing to state is. Warner Brothers is trying to cast somebody along the same age range as Jason Momoa, Gal Gadot for both Batman and Superman. That's why we're not seeing projects like hearing more about The Flash and Cyborg at this point in time, because I think what they're doing is they're saying we can allow these other franchises to go introduce a new Batman and then have those characters come back together again when they feel like they have it right. And that's probably what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, and in all fairness, they did say multiple times Cavill would not be doing a cameo with Superman in Shazam. And yes, there is a Superman cameo, but they never lied. Cavill is not doing a cameo with Superman. Yeah. 
So, like I said, it, it's all good, and I'm not too, too worried. Remember, we always saw that shot that it looked like Cavill, but we never saw who it was uh, back when they were filming that. And everyone's like, oh, that's definitely Cavill. It looks just like Cavill. And we find out in this new story, body double. Yeah. So I think that explains that story from months ago. And, and, so, and one of the other points I made to you, I made this to you last night, too, was, you know, when news broke that there's going to be a Superman cameo in Shazam, uh, our friend Tony Kim had posted something on his page, um, on, on the Heroes Within page. Of, they're not sure exactly how that's going to work. And the point I made to you was, well, we got cameos of Superman and Supergirl before Tyler was even cast. Yeah. So you can do a Superman cameo without seeing Superman's face. And it seems like that's exactly what Shazam is going to do. And I'm fine yeah. with it. And it's okay. Yeah. Or you can just have a person walk in and it's just focused on the S-Shield and the chest and credits. It's it's a blurry face from from a distance. And then as they, work, as they walk closer to the camera, it's literally focusing on the chest of Superman and exactly. the face is above the camera. Right, and it, it doesn't have to be anything special. And you're talking about kids, too, which are shorter than adults, if people don't remember. So if you're focusing on, like, <laughs> yeah. a, you know, a kid in their face, and then an adult walks in behind them, and you just see their chest. I mean, it's been done in every, like, it feels like almost every situational comedy movie ever. Yeah. Um, it, It's easy just to have somebody walk behind you, like, that's Superman. and That's not a question. So I, I think it's fine. Just I, Everybody, don't fret. Don't worry. I think it's going to play perfectly. And you don't have to have it be cavil there especially if they're trying to redirect and reset uh i think this is great a great call by warner brothers agreed agreed all right uh as far as aquaman as i just mentioned uh aquaman finished week seven pulling another 6.5 mil uh, as far as its domestic box office gross bringing it up to 325.2 mil uh, which is now surpassing Suicide Squad. It, the film now ranks at number 60 on the all-time list, and it's number three amongst all of the DCEU films, only behind Wonder Woman and BVS. All expectations are, as I just said, will pass uh, BVS before or by President's Day. So uh, that's that's pretty fantastic that they're doing so well. And uh, it, it's just bringing in more and more and more. So good on that. Yeah. Uh, jumping into a little bit more, uh, if you have not seen Aquaman yet and you've been waiting for home video, uh, that's DVD, Blu-ray, and 4K. I uh, will be releasing March 26th. Pre-orders are live everywhere. Uh, in addition to that, there is a little bit of rumblings as far as some few points. They mentioned right now that there may not the sequel may not be in development as of right now yet. It's not to say, as we just mentioned, that they aren't going to make it because people like money. Yeah. Uh, so Warner Brothers <laughs> yes. is definitely going to be making an Aquaman too, most likely with James Wan. But the, the rumors that it was already in uh, production is not true. Uh, so give it a little bit of time, but I guarantee you those talks are already happening behind the scenes. So uh, in addition to that, though, too, there is rumblings that there is possibly making a trench spinoff. My guess is while there are a couple people working on this, they're saying right now the script is being done by Noah Gardner uh, and Aiden Fitzgerald. Uh, there's no word yet if who this is even going to focus on or if this is going to be something that's even going to be greenlit. Just because it's being talked about doesn't mean it's got to go ahead. True. So, again, take it with a grain of salt. It, purely a rumor. Um, you know, the director commented on it just basically saying, you know, during early pre-production, he fell in love with the trench and its designs, and he hoped to explore this in the world somewhere future. And but he even said, "Now I'm not confirming or denying this project." You know, and that was purely again. That is, hey, that doesn't mean I'm making this. 
I would love to see it. And even though people are working on maybe writing a treatment for it, it doesn't mean it ever will come to fruition. I feel like you're so. kind of digging a little deeper into this because I said it wasn't denied and you're kind of like no, throwing I just, more out there to say like, look, it was. <laughs> I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. Oh, I know. Well, no, I, I just I, – I read through the entirety of the article and it's it's kind of like – again, it, we, we've had so many projects for DC. Unless Warner Brothers is going to come out and say it, my, my opinion on things are – you know, they keep talking about like Blue Beetle and all these other little pieces, but Warner Brothers as a whole has not announced a film. Um, is they There's so many of them outside of uh, – right now, I think the only confirmed films we have are Wonder Woman 2 at this moment, uh, Birds of Prey, uh, Sh- you know, obviously Shazam, and then uh, New Gods. And that's it for live action right now. And Matt Reeves' Batman, obviously. But beyond that, nothing else has been and the officially Joker. announced. And the Joker. The yeah. Todd Phillips Joker film. But I think beyond that, I think I think it's going to be pretty quiet for a little bit until we hit to maybe San Diego Comic Con when they start announcing what out of all these projects are still actually going to be moving forward. So I think that's the only reason because it feels like we've we've addressed so many movie rumors for a while now, and it feels like we're we're seeing a lot of them disappear or just kind of just kind of float away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you know, one of the ones I wanted to see more than anything else. I'm sure you agree. Was Zach Stentz was working on a Booster Gold treatment yeah, for a while. Yeah, and, and that just—I haven't heard hide or hair of that. I don't know how long. Um, you know, obviously we know James. You know, there's the Suicide Squad two movie that's kind of getting a kind of a reboot. Like I said, we have those three films we talked about last week with actual release dates and their plans and stuff like that. And we're talking into 2021. So it's the question of what is the future post 2021. So I'm very curious to see what that's going to be. I mean, you know, I know the cyborg treatment is still out there. You know, there is still rumblings that the Flash movie could still happen. All these pieces. But I'm very curious to see it play out. Agreed. Agreed. uh, And again, for a trench movie after seeing, uh, you know, Aquaman, what would you even do with that movie? (laughs) Yeah, I I generally don't know. I mean, because, again, why would you do a non Aquaman Aquaman movie. I don't know if that 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 has And especially enough. especially with characters that don't talk. Right. Uh, and it 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 doesn't make a lot of sense. Um and that's why I, I view that such as a heavy rumor. Again, and James Wan too, again, he he's a really fantastic director and I think he does a lot of cool things, but I mean even the rumor wasn't even stating that he was even attached to any of that piece of project. So it's it's a big question of where is this potentially going? But again, if they were to do it, man, I would absolutely give it a watch because I agree too. The trench was awesome. It was creepy and twisted and very horror driven. Uh, but I don't know if with what's been going on with Warner Brothers, if they're going to take a risk like that. right? Yeah. Now. Yeah. I'm not sure either. Yeah. So but again, if they do it, cool. Awesome. <laughs> so. Um, all right. Justice League versus the Fatal Five. Um, there is a trailer out there for those of you who are down with Bruce Tim's Bruce Timverse because, man, oh, man, this looks fantastic. It's obviously classic Justice League with, uh, you know, class, uh, you know, major players from the old animated series coming back to voice characters, which is awesome. Um, you know, Kevin Conroy, obviously, in the mix, in addition to uh, George Newbern, because, um, man, they were some of the best Batman and Supermans we've ever had, especially in the animated films. Uh, but we're also going to see the classic characters from the Legion of Superheroes as well in this. So very, very pumped to see that. So we do know that's uh, not very far away. Uh, that's actually going to be coming out. What is the release date here? Give me a second. 
God, this article is formatted terribly. <laughs> I hate when they do that, where you're like, where is the release? Do, <laughs> and there it is. March 30th um, is when it's going to be coming out digitally. Do we think that this is going to tie into the rest of the stories that we've been getting with Reign of Superman and Death of Superman? No. Okay, there's going to be something not. separate. Okay. Uh, the animation style, too, again, is, is different. Purely, is, it, it, it is to match the classic animated series. Um, okay. The Justice League and Batman the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series, all that jazz. Uh, this is Bruce Timm and Sam Liu. So this is this is pulling back old school teams here. Uh, but we do know as far as the sneak peeks that are going to be on this set when it releases, uh, this will be the first sneak peek of where you can check out Batman Hush. So... Uh, very exciting. Yeah, but yeah I'm, I'm excited it's, uh, for that one. March 30th again digitally, and then April 16th for Blu-ray and 4K. All right, over on the TV side of things, uh, we have another piece of casting for Batwoman, which sounds like it's going to be one of our villains. It's the lead villain, mind you, which is Red Alice. Uh, we will be seeing Rachel uh, it's Scarston, I believe. I think so, yes. yeah. Rachel Scarston, yes, is going to be uh, joining the cast, playing that lead character. So uh, looking forward to seeing that play out. So um, and then the big final story of the week is kind of the one that took us by surprise is uh, a major character maybe potentially leaving after season five of The Flash wraps up. That is none other than Carlos Valdez. Uh, So bummed. Yeah, it sounds like he's looking on to moving on to new pastures. Uh, It sounds like from what it's uh, most likely they said, um, you know, with all this coming into play, that this is going to be a soft write-off more than anything else to give him the ability to reprise the role when it uh, is fitting for him. So, uh, which is good to hear. So this is not uh, goodbye forever. It's just uh, well, kind of goodbye for now. But. Yeah, and you know what's funny too is I didn't even realize it. Um, a friend of mine actually posted the movie poster of it. He's got a movie out or coming out rather that he filmed with Melissa Benoit. Um, and it's directed by Chris Wood. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but it looks like kind of like a dark comedy kind of um, film uh, that I, I'm really interested in checking out when um, uh, when hey, it releases or when it comes out. Maybe we'll, rev- we'll, we'll, we'll take a sidebar and review that on the uh, the podcast. Cause if, if we one, could, yeah, I want to find out when same, it's same releasing. With, what is it? Code 9? Yeah. Code 8. Or Code 8. Yeah. Uh, oh, so, I'm, we'll do, dude, I'm we'll do the so, same for Code 8, too. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Code 8, because I've seen the short film that Robbie and Steven did, and the short film is amazing, and now it's going to be like a full-on movie of what they did with the short film, and yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to that. Yeah, but I mean, I, I will say this, though, even with Cisco, you know, maybe, you know, leaving, like I said, they've kind of set us up for that all season long. Uh, you know, him not wanting to have powers anymore, just kind of being an average Joe again, all these little things. Uh, we've also seen very little of his character this year. Um, we've seen him bits and pieces, but even that classic Cisco humor and charm hasn't really been there. They've definitely been moving that to other characters. Yeah. So it feels like they're kind of setting this up, but I think the show is going to be A-OK even without Cisco there. He's been such a big staple for us, but I think those characters that we used to see him play off of so much are not the characters they used to be anymore. And it's giving him a little less to do. And I think that's okay. But I would love to see him kind of go out with the bang. But I think it's okay because we've seen even shows like Legends of Tomorrow. So many loved characters kind of move on. And the shows continue to play out fantastically. So as as weird as it seems to think about a Flash without a Cisco, um, 
I, I still think everything's going to be okay because, again, people like Hartley swear in the mix and all. That kind of can fill those roles and fill them in, in just as wonderful ways. So, And, again, it could very well be possible that when next year wraps up, some of these shows may not be returning. Yeah, so that's true. I think it's okay to say goodbye to characters. I think we talked about it in the Toxicity episode. When you love something, you also should be able to understand how to let it go. <laughs> so, And I think that's okay. We can be disappointed, but... Uh, whatever he's working on, man, that's awesome. It's uh, good, good on him, and I, I wish him absolutely all the best. Yeah, uh, the stew is the name of it, and it, it's only a ten-minute short. It's not a full film. Okay, um, but I think you're right. I think it's a good idea. Maybe we take an episode, maybe over the spring or the summer, to uh, kind of focus on some of the side projects of some of these people. I think that's a fun idea because you mentioned Code Eight. Uh, we've got the stew with Melissa and Carlos. But the other thing I've also known is is floating out there somewhere. I don't think it's been released on DVD yet, and I'd love to get my hands on it. Is um, the Tom Cavanaugh written Tom and Grant short that the two of them did, where they're actually criminals? Oh yeah, yeah. Because uh, Tom Cavanaugh wrote and directed that, and I'm I'm really I've been looking forward to seeing that for a while because apparently it's been in some film festivals and it's won some awards in film festivals. So I'm that's another one I'd love to get my hands on so we can talk about and and review. Awesome. So yeah. Well, that's it for the news. Like I said, very light week. Yeah, um, you know, which is fine. We're gonna get those lulls at certain times of the year. Uh, let's throw out some recommendations and then we'll do some cheap plugs and we'll get out of here. Um, my recommendation for this week, uh, because we are most likely going to be talking about it next week. Doom Patrol debuts this Friday, February 15th. So, uh, we're not going to go over the series in full. We're going to treat it just the same way as we did Titans. We'll review the pilot episode just to talk about what we think. And then after the series airs, we'll break it into a couple episodes as we did Titans, two or three episodes, just like we did Titans, and we'll review it in blocks, probably most likely over the spring hiatus of the Arrowverse shows. Indeed. Is, is, is probably when we'll do that. So, yep, my my recommendation for this week, you can't do it until Friday, but when you do, check out Doom Patrol because that's what we're going to be doing. Indeed. I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to share that recommendation. Uh, in addition to, um, I will say this, Oh, my God, my brain just shut off. <laughs> Relaxed brain syndrome. Yeah, pretty much. I'm just, like, way too just kind of, like, chill today. Um, <laughs> I, 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 My recommendation, take some time for you. Take some you time. There you, know? you go. Have a, have a relaxing evening sometime this week. And you know what? Even better, enjoy your Valentine's Day. Even if it's – even if it, you're the person that you have right now in your life is only you – your Valentine's Day, do something for you. Do something that you absolutely love to do. Uh, you know what? Uh, I, treat yourself. Treat yourself. I love our – now, we call it a tradition. We've only done it twice, and it wasn't two years in a row. I think it's been like a couple years since last we did it. Um, but I, I love our ongoing tradition of Broentines. Um, which uh, is, yeah, my, my wife has been doing Galentine's Day because of Parks and Rec, uh, oddly enough. And, you know, obviously that's been something that's been happening kind of a, a, across the globe now. People are starting to do it. And I was like, you know, what? let's have Broentines. We, man, we, 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 we ate like kings yesterday. <laughs> Dude, and I, I can't, I have to, I'm, I'm heading over back to your house later on this evening. Um, your house probably still smells delicious. Oh, it does. It still smells like steak everywhere you walk in my house. It's amazing. Cause that's uh, all. About, there, there was eight of us and we all just, we just cook steaks. 
Drank scotch. It was it was diets and workout trainings and like eating well did not exist yesterday. It was no. a total cheat day for all of us. Um, we all brought our own cuts of meat. We all cooked differently as well. Uh-huh. Um, we all did. I absolutely. And it, I will say, I've had many steaks in my life. The steak I had yesterday, hands down, without a lie, was the best steak I have ever eaten. And you had it sous vide. I had it sous vide and beautifully seared. Um, everybody all had some decent cuts of meat. I, I was just kind of like, I'm treating myself. I got myself a, like a, almost a three quarter pound filet mignon that was just, mwah. <laughs> oh, dude, was, I, I treated lovely. I treated myself too. I didn't go to no supermarket. I went to a butcher shop and got myself a nice boneless Delmonico ribeye. And I was mm. like, yep, it's cheat yourself. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Oh my god, it was wonderful. Yeah. It was such it was it was it, I love doing that and again we will we will come back around to that again next okay, year without yep. question. It, it's great. Uh all right, cheap plugs, and then we can head out. As always, you can catch this podcast as well as all other podcasts on the Next Level Podcast Network, Next Level Radio Online.com and Facebook.com slash the next level network. That has changed. Uh as well the uh, the website is actually gonna be changing soon as well at the Facebook the right now the Facebook page has changed the website is going to be the next level network.com eventually it's not there yet um but hang tight so two different ones for right now apologies for that uh as always of course the Facebook page for this facebook.com slash DC primetime and you can follow us on the other socials uh, of Twitter and Instagram at DC primers and as always, you can find me at nextlevelradioonline.com, a.k.a. thenextlevelnetwork.com, <laughs> through the Caffeine Crew cast of pods. I'm going to have to play with that for a little while until I get that ripped out. Oh, I'm like, going to have to get right. <laughs> I'm going to have to get used to it, too. I know I'm going to slip. Oh, yeah. But anyway, you'll like I said, well, I'm sure you have a redirect running. So whatever we say, you'll find us. Yep. Uh, but you can always find us at the Caffeine Crew cast of pods. Uh, the last episode we put out, which was Fandom Toxicity, which, oh, man, oh, man, am I proud of that episode. Um, and if you haven't gotten a chance to give that a listen, that is episode 51. Uh, episode 52 will be recording probably in about two weeks, which will be cartoons of the 80s and 90s. I can't wait for that uh, one. And that's going to be a fun one. So uh, we'll be probably planning that one out. Probably. I'll probably start sending out messages about that this week uh, to start getting that prepped. But besides that, you can always... Head over to our good friend George Shaw at georgeshawmusic.com to check out the tunes he does. You hear each and every week on this podcast. You can check out all his projects. Check out his SoundCloud and show your support. Yes. Uh, So as we mentioned, next week's episode, we're going to be talking about the next episodes of The Flash and uh, Arrow. Supergirl is still on break next week, so it will not return for another two weeks. But in addition to Arrow and Flash, we will talk about the pilot episode of Doom Patrol. So give that a watch if you get the opportunity, uh, because I know it's we've both been looking forward to that one. Uh, But other than that, that's really it. Uh, as Rob said, treat yourself this Valentine's Day, whether it's by yourself or your special someone. Just enjoy the week. Do something for yourself. And until next time, we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace. <laughs>